Hey, guys, guess what? My niece just applied for a job at Hooters. And funny thing, they don't have applications. No, what really? do they have? No, they handed her a bra and said, fill this out. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> 1972 it's just called. They don't have any applications. Hey, man. Welcome to the Big Bad Broadcast, dude. afternoon and welcome to the big bad broadcast or any place you get your podcast we're everywhere on apple spotify your mother's podcast your we're sister's peak jack and we've got a great show for you today we got john manfalardi yeah and, and the regular crew of maniacs we have the chef craig mitchell how you doing everybody three we all right how you doing Mike, huh. what the and fuck? I'm John Tarantino, and I speak to the dead. That's why I left. I speak to the dead. <laughs> speak to the dead. What do you mean when you're That's in the, the bathroom? Audience. He speaks to the dead when he's in the bathroom. Hey, how you doing? All right. <laughs> oh my God, John, it's good Fun. to see you, buddy. I'm, I'm so excited to be on your guys' podcast. Thanks for I, having me. Yeah, I tell you what. I, I just let me introduce you. John's a stand-up comedian. He's an actor. He's had an amazing career. Uh, it's just he, if you might remember him from uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, Men of a Certain Age. Yep. He's in uh, the new movie uh, Somewhere in Queens. Yes, and I just huh somewhere. And, and let me tell you something. That is fantastic. I love the movie, and I love your performance in the movie. Thank you, man. Was really good. Really an jacket. honor and a thrill to be in it. Get your jacket back. It's crazy. <laughs> you know, Ray was paranoid about directing for the first time. So, but he did a phenomenal job, you know. Well, you got to do is surround yourself, you know, with the right people. But Ray was very, you know, had a nice soft touch as a director. If you were doing a scene, he'd just walk over and go, throw it away. And then he'd walk away. <laughs> okay, I'll throw it away. It's funny that you say that because I do the best Ray Romano. Let ever. me hear. Let me hear. Everybody does. Okay, Ray. we all do oh, it. Actually, I don't. Ah, oh, John, John Manfalotti. How are you? How I'm are you? good, man. <laughs> How are you, John? I'm, so I'm I, the... And I hadn't talked to him in ten years, and I go, Ray. He goes, "Don't do that. You're a hack." <laughs> <laughs> He's used to people that strangers come up to him. Hey, Ray, oh, know. really? That's oh, yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> strangers. Yeah, when my kids were little and he used to call the house and leave a message. My son would go, Dad, your friend that sounds like Kermit the Frog called. Oh, my <laughs> God. Kermit, I can do, and he doesn't sound like Ray. Kermit the Frog here, you know, but that's yeah, not Ray. Kenny <laughs> sounds the same. Really? Okay. A little bit. Just a little bit. John, when was the last time you did a cruise ship? Didn't you do the cruise ships for a while? Uh, I did cruises more than I don't think I've done one in five years. I um, did one. I liked. I mean, when I used to do cruise ships, it was like the heyday of cruising, and I'd be on the ship with like Minervini for a week and wow. like another comic. You know what I mean? So it was really fun, you know. And we, it was not corporate back then. And it was like we could go to the crew bar, we could go anywhere because we had like passenger status, we had decent rooms. And it just got worse and worse. They ruined everything. Yeah. I only did one because I wanted to see what the hubbub was all about. Right. My God, about halfway through the week, I, I wanted to dive overboard and swim back. <laughs> I, I could not take it anymore. And I was on, I got on on a Saturday. And I didn't have to perform until the following Friday. Wow. Like a week on the ship. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, I don't know how uh, politically correct this show is. or, But I got laid three times on the show, on the ship by three different people. I had no place to hide. There you go. <laughs> Wait, there so, was nowhere so to go. I'd be like, shit, you don't even have to pay me. Fucking see, give it, me. Got to the, it got to the point later on where, like, because we had been doing it so long, we were like headline comedians. So if your show was on Friday, they would have flown us in on Thursday and we fly home on Saturday. Well, that's I would have rather have done that. So see, but who, yeah, it wasn't so bad. See, but who would go on a cruise now? I mean, like with all the freaking it's like it's like I said, cruising. It's not just for Legionnaires yeah, no. disease anymore. Dude, yeah. I, I gotta tell you, I, I dropped know. I'm sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead. 
No, I, 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 my, my survival job uh, is driving rideshare, and I dropped off people in Long Beach at the Carnival Cruise. And first of all, I could not believe the friggin' size of the boat, because you know I only see it on TV. And when you're right now, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's incredibly big. It's like it's like oh, Shea Stadium. It's big. like I mean, a skyscraper on its right. side. Yeah. What a captain yeah, once said. What a captain once said to me when I called it a boat. He goes, yeah. "Your boat will fit inside my ship." There's a new ship coming out right now. That Did he say it in a sexy way, though, John? The <laughs> <laughs> new ship that's just coming out called the Holy Shit has 8,000 passengers, 4,200 crew. That's what I want. I want to be stuck at sea with 8,000 people. 8,000? So talking about, what, 14,000 people all together? The Enterprise, the Starship Enterprise, only has four hundred and forty. I read an article. This, I read an article this morning that said if you're planning on going on a cruise this spring or summer, they're ninety five percent already booked. Wow, well, I don't see the whole attraction to the no. Cruise. By the way, when it when it came time for me to go on stage, the suddenly the the cruise director, right before I got on, he goes, "No drug jokes." And don't talk to the passengers. Jeez. All right. So I walk. They, the band plays me on, and as their band is walking off, I turn around. I go, "Where are you guys going to smoke more pot?" I said, "How much pot can one band smoke?" <laughs> right. Then I turned around immediately to the audience and started ripping them. <laughs> so you broke both cardinal rules right immediately, yeah. right up front. And I, you know it. I killed, if I can say so. And when I got off, the guy didn't say anything to me. I mean, what are you going to say? That's so weird. Which, by the way, I I saw John in in Vegas a couple of weeks ago, uh, again, opening for Ray. And you were phenomenal. You came out and you had the audience from the the moment you opened your mouth right to the, you know, it was, and I hadn't seen you in years. And it was just, it was, I I don't like to watch stand-up comedy. You know, when you're a comic, you don't want to watch other comics. But it was delightful. It was really good to watch you. It was fantastic. I had such a good time. Thanks, man. I appreciate that because it's not um, it's not the easiest thing because I'm not on the the billboard. I'm not on the ticket, especially when it used to be. Uh, we worked with David Spade for about five years. Right. It was, you know, Spade and Ray and I would open it. But they wouldn't even meant they would go, Oh, welcome to an evening with David Spade and Ray Romano. Yeah, right. Here's a guy now, now that's gonna like you know. <laughs> Yeah, right. But first, here's a guy that's that, tough you know, to do, man. You know, I tell you what, it's really a, as a comic to go out when people are paying a lot of money, not expecting you, really kind of don't know who you are. I mean, people knew Gianni from Raymond, but there's twelve hundred people in the audience. So when I say how many people recognize me from G, you know, Gianni. You know, fifty people would applaud. Right. right. So it was really a good exercise to win them over. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was. Yeah. Yeah, you have to. You have to be good. You got to use your skills. You got to use your the, that whole thing. Yeah, because you're, you're 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 right. It's like when you're a celebrity, it's easy because they they're either coming to see you or they will forgive almost anything because of your celebrity status. But when you don't have that, you got to work. Yeah. yeah and you got you got to be funny. I I I, yeah, I, I can't I can't think of his name. The the kid who played Greg uh, Skippy, Mitchell? No, no, no. Oh. Sk- Skippy on, um, <laughs> on on Family Ties. I can't think. Of, uh, he, yeah, that guy should have never been performing in his life. He he struggled so hard because people came terrible. on expectations. Well, okay, I don't want to really say that about? on a live show. But it was terrible. He I can't been, think of his name. Hold on, I got to scratch him off the list as a possible. He guest. was one of these guys that just was like trying to have a little career after the light had faded. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But he could. So wait, you know, is, we he, talk about wait. We talk about being shitty. Oh, you know, when I was telling these guys, the worst one ever was Paul Provenza opening for Diana Ross. Right? You sit down in the audience. He has no billing, nothing. They start playing a twenty-minute medley of Diana Ross's songs that are just continuing. The audience is getting up and up and up, and all of a sudden, it just stops cold. And over the microphone, you hear. And now your comedian, Paul Provenza. Oh. <laughs> and he walks out on stage and it is death. I mean, it, it is death. And he had the greatest opening line of all times. He stops and he goes, All right. Um, you know when you go to a deli and you order a sandwich and they throw in that pickle 
and you never asked for the pickle. You didn't really care <laughs> about the pickle. But when you ate the pickle, it was pretty good. I'm the pickle. <laughs> it would just, and it kill. And you're also I, the I guy with the, the staple around, aren't you, John? I walk down the streets in I'm New hearing York. It. Yeah, I walk down the streets in New York, and uh, people would walk up the pole and go, "Hey, the pickle." Ah. <laughs> Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I started at the comic strip in Fort Lauderdale. I, Joe Mulligan passed me uh, <laughs> February 12th, 1983. I still remember that date. So then it's now three months later. It's May of, two, of 1983. And people come in from the Sunrise Music Theater in Fort Lauderdale. Right. They're looking for a comic to open for John Luponti, this right. French jazz violinist, right? But they don't want to pay any of you guys. So they picked me. I, I swear <laughs> to God, I, I think I got paid like $50. So I, and I'm doing comedy three months. I have no idea what I'm doing. I show up. It's, a, it's not the main arena. It's a theater off to the side that seats about 1,200. They introduce me. There's about a hundred people sat, but it's tables and chairs. While I'm trying to perform, they seat a thousand people. Wow. Guys walking by with piles of chairs going, all right, two over here. And stuff. <laughs> well, needless to say, it was the worst experience to this day of my life. I mean, it was horrible. I get off stage. They introduced John Luponti. He walks out and he says, before I get started, ladies and gentlemen, I want to apologize that you had to sit through that stupid comedian. Oh, shit. Really? Whoa. Wow. Well, let me tell you what I'm happened. sorry. He would have got his ass beat. I would have beat the shit yeah, out of that guy. Let me guy. tell you what happened. The audience turned on him. Oh, good. He started yelling out, hey, come on, man. That was tough and stuff. And he started playing his first song. No one was listening. It was Good. all like chatter and stuff. He finished his first song. There was a smattering of applause. It got quiet. And from the wings, I yelled, I'm going to fucking kill you. Security <laughs> 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 right? comes over and said, hey, I, the guy actually said this to me. I know he's an asshole, but come on. Right? Yeah. That was still to this day the worst experience I've ever had. I almost quit comedy that night. Oh, but I, I, I'm not going to let that fucking scumbag ruin good my Good for you, man. Good I, I got to share a similar story, man. I got booked at a one-nighter. It was The one-nighter was on a Sunday night. It was the day after New Year's. It was New Year's Day. Um, Who does a show the day after New Year's, right? And apparently I was working, you do. I know. Yeah. I was working with St. Marquis and, and uh, Angel Salazar. Right, and I was check it out, check it oh, out. Man. Yeah. I go up on stage and I fucking eat it. I mean, it's horrifically bad, and I mean, it was so bad. A guy had one of those little portable. This is like 1990. One of those football games that make the noise. He was playing it on every punchline, so nobody could hear my punchlines. Oh. I come off stage. Saint Marquis goes up. He's doing his his set. And I have to go back, which sucks. I'm emceeing, and he does a joke that gets a moan, right? And he goes, hey, hey, you want me to bring that unfunny fat guy back? Ooh. And the crowd's like, no, no, no. And I'm like, oh, and I, that, I almost quit comedy too. See, that's oh, something I never had to worry about because honestly, I would fucking, I would beat the yeah. shit out of a comic who did. And I think they all knew it too. When I was doing comedy and doing all that stuff, I he was a character, but I was still kind of, I mean, I'm the, I'm probably the only comic that's ever threatened whole audiences to beat the shit out of them. <laughs> There was no, like, Bob Woods. Bob Woods. There was, like, there was a club upstate New York, and it was me, Martling. Uh, no, it was me, Woods, uh, Dave Hawthorne, and Eddie Murphy. What a great friggin' show! You know all these guys, John? What? I was asking John Manfredi. Yeah, Do you know all those guys? I love. Yeah. I know all those guys. All okay. of them. Yeah, he worked the comic strip. I got so, a great Bob Woods story. So, so all the way up in the car. Um, Hawthorne's going, 
You know, I don't have to do this. I was in a comedy team with Billy Crystal, and this is just so easy. All I have to do is pick up the phone and make a call, and I don't have to do these any longer. So we get to this gate, and Did he call his pot guy. <laughs> so anyway, I, I we go on. Lenny first. Schultz. He called Lenny so Schultz. Woodsy goes on first, right? Woodsy goes on first and gets nothing, right? And gets nothing, and then. I go, well, you know, I'll go on next. I go on nothing. Absolutely nothing. I do the thing with the bar stool. They don't even laugh at that, right? Wow. Eddie Murphy goes on, right? And again, he wasn't the Eddie Murphy at the time. He was just really funny, though. He goes on and gets nothing. And we're in the back room going, oh, man, this is the worst. And Hawthorne goes, let me show you how this is done. And he walks out on stage. (laughs) And eats it more than all of us eat it combined. <laughs> and in the middle of his set, Eddie Murphy finds a microphone somewhere and just goes, Dave, make your call. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great. I got a great Bob Wood story. To, you guys know who Marty Rackham is? Comic? I, I know the name. Yeah, we, um, we were doing a gig in St. Thomas, you know, down in the Virgin Islands or wherever that fucking place was. It was like a private resort. So we were there like a day and, you know, we needed to smoke some pot. So we're asking around, hey, can we get some pot? So somebody buys us, we give them $40 and they come back with a bag. It looked like a pound and a bag. pounds of weed. (laughs) We couldn't smoke all that pot and we're smoking all day, all day. You know what I mean? By the way, this is the only time I ever went on stage stoned because the first night it was an outdoor venue. As soon as the lights went down, the show started an entire cloud of smoke from the audience came up. Everybody (laughs) was smoking pot. We were the only ones who weren't high, right? (laughs) So we said, all right, let's get some pot. So they gave us the giant bag. We're trying to smoke it back. We couldn't take it back. So there's still a lot left. So I asked, at the end of the gig, I go, who's the next comic that's coming in next week? And they go, Bob Woods. And I go, okay. I go, wait a couple of days and then break out this bag and say, uh, hey, this is from Manfalati, right? <laughs> and that's it. Boom. Cut to a year later. I'm standing in front of the improv in New York. A cab pulls up. The door opens. Out comes Bob Woods. He sees me. He goes, Manfalati! He runs over, picks me up, literally off the ground. He goes, thanks for the pot, pal. <laughs> <laughs> a fucking year later. Oh, man. <laughs> he was uh, one of the nicest guys you are ever yeah. been. Love, love, love. The very first night I met him at the Strip in Lauderdale, he came in, he was sitting at the bar. He drank 18 sea breezes before he went on. Holy shit. 18. What is a sea? What is a sea breeze exactly? Sea I don't even. It's vodka, cranberry, with cranberry, and, and grapefruit. Yeah, well, orange, yeah. just yeah, take the you. bottle at that point. What the fuck are you doing? Only us just yeah. forget to open the bottle and drink. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have so many. Should we keep going with horror road stories? No, wait, wait. Here's this is funny. I this is what I tell these guys. I just remember all the time when you and Brian were cooks, right? And Joe Mullins would go. All right, I'm leaving for the night. Remember, get you in there. No surf and turf. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, rip. No, no surf, surf and turf. Either no steak surf. or shrimp. He'd walk out the door. These two guys would go, you want some shrimp with that steak? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, time- I don't know if you were here this time, but one night I, I was emceeing. It was like a, I was doing it about a year or so, and I'm emceeing. So somebody's on stage, and I'm in the bar. And a guy, the door opens, a guy comes like limping in on a crutch, right? And he's a kind of a weird looking guy. <laughs> and he sits, he sits down and he says, he goes, yeah, you know, I asked the cab driver, take me someplace I can have fun. So he took it to the, the comedy club. So he's sitting at the bar drinking and you can tell right away the guy's a fucking problem. He's bugging the bartender, Donner. He's, he's starting to irritate people. So Donna gives me the look like she goes like this. So I go back and I tell Joe, he's in the office. I go, Joe, there's a guy at the bar. And I think he may Wait, not to interrupt you, but just so you get a vision of what this guy Mullins look like, oh, he yeah. was this little psychotic 
yeah. Irish guy that looked like Popeye. <laughs> exactly. He was about 5'5". Five, five. Hey, gee, I got Popeye. You don't want to mess with him. He was, right. a, he was nuts. His nose looked like it was broken about 100 yeah, times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I go in the office and I say, hey, Joe, there's a guy at the bar. He may be a potential problem. So he's writing and he doesn't even look up. He goes, well, let me know if he really is a problem. I say, okay. So 10 minutes later, the guy is really a problem. So I go back into the office. I open the door. I go, hey, Joe, before I'm done talking, he's up. He's storming <laughs> out into the he's bar. Got a he's got a few, like a hairline fuse. <laughs> yes. I mean, no fuse at all. Yeah. He, he rushes past me. He goes into the bar. Where is he? And Donna points him out. Joe doesn't even talk to the guy and say, hey, stop being a problem. He grabs him by the neck and the back of his shirt, picks him up, and uses him to open the door and throws him out into the street. Oh, nice. and the guy lands and thuds. And I took her, I turn around, I look at the bar, I see the guy's crutch laying there. Oh, so shit. I, I pick up the crutch and I hand it to Joe. I go, hey, Joe, here's the guy's crutch, right? Oh, and for a millionth of a second, Joe's eyes went, oh, shit. Then he went back to being Joe, opened up the door. Through the crutch. Crutch and said, here's your fucking crutch. Now get you, the hell out of here. You gimp. What's with me in that whole story is the guy saying, I told the cab driver to take me someplace I can have fun. <laughs> fun. Yeah, there you go. But maybe that was his idea of fun. You know, he's a miserable yeah. bastard. Here, here's, a, here's a great road story like this. So everyone got $600, like when you came in from out of town and got to stay in the condo. The and that condo was, was two weeks, right, John? Yeah. No, it was a week. It was oh, a week. week. But there was no airfare or anything. But we right. fought to get this job. The um, <laughs> the condo was, I mean, that's where the jokes came from. You know, like the comic joke, like, you know, comic ties goes to heaven. And St. Peter goes, you're going to love this gig. The best gig in the world. You know, it's like, you know, they, they applaud it. You set up. You get paid every night before. You know, you can do as much time as you want. You can eat lobster. You can eat. You know, it's come on. What's the, you know, what's the downside no there's no downside at all now lucifer will take you back to the condo <laughs> that's how bad it was hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So I'm working there with me, Martling, and Pete Fogel. So Martling goes to me, just play along, right? So Pete Fogel's waiting to get paid. Martling comes out of the office, and he goes, 700, 800, 900, 1,000. I got 1,000. Puts it in his pocket, right? And he looks at me and he winks. So I come out and I go, 700, 800, put it in my pocket. Fogel comes out with 600 bucks and he's pissed. He's pissed. He goes, how come you got 1,000 and he got 800 and I only got 600? And we go, well, what were you supposed to get? He goes, well, they told me 600, but you guys got more. And Martling goes, you get paid by the laugh. <laughs> so he goes, you know, I got a lot more laughs than you did. And Ferentino got more laughs than you did, but not as many as me. The next week, Fogel comes out. Everything is one-liners, one-liners, and it's terrible. But he's just going for every laugh he can get. Wow. The end of the week, we go to get paid. Martin comes out again, eight hundred, nine hundred, thousand, eleven hundred, right? And I come out and I go nine hundred. Fogel comes out with six hundred, and he goes, <laughs> "I can't believe it. I still only got six hundred. This isn't fair." And Martin goes, "You need to go in and talk to Joe." <laughs> oh man. <laughs> So he walks in and he goes, what's the story? You know, Ferentino got this, Martling got this, and I only got 600. What the fuck is that all about? And Mullins gets up from the desk and goes, are you a fucking idiot? <laughs> he goes, are you fucking insane? He goes, they're fucking bullshitting you, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Just starts screaming at him. And he goes, you're lucky to get to 600. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you're the worst comic I've ever seen in my life. Oh, shit. Oh. Everyone hated Fogel for some reason. You know yeah. what I mean? I almost felt bad for the guy. Everybody you know who that sounds like? It sounds like fucking Bobby at the... Uh... 
from yeah. the fucking danger fields. If he didn't like, I remember how many times I'd be standing at the bar with him and he'd somebody be on stage. He didn't like, you know, shut your fucking bag of shit tight in the middle. You fuck shut. Get off the fucking stage. <laughs> no, I only worked. I worked danger field once. I hated yeah. it. It was worth working. Danger it was field a tough gig. out with Bobby. Yeah. No. First of all, you go on stage and the light you was like a shit. nuclear bomb. Yeah, you yeah. Can't you see fucking shit. see your hand in front of your face. I really hated that place. And not only that, there was like no place to stand on stage. You had to stand the cutout of the piano that was never used. Exactly. Exactly. Well, they, they, I remember that was the first thing they warned me about. Was first of all, he said uh, when I, I forget what was it was uh, uh, Scott Blakeman, I think was that was the host. He said you're not going to be able to see a goddamn thing on stage. You know, he goes, so what you do is as soon as you go up, he goes, with your foot, try to find the edge of the stage so you don't fall wow. off of it. Unbelievable. <laughs> All I remember is when you, when you, when, when I went up, somebody said, you know, uh, I, when you worked out in New York, I, you guys going to relate to this. There was these New York City comics who kind of had an attitude and all they talked about was their, what you talking about, Craig? So, New York yeah. City, not Queens, not, not, I'm, not talking, <laughs> I'm talking Manhattan. Right. And they talk about all that stuff. And uh, they said, listen, you know, Dangerfields is a tourist club. So don't talk about New York because they're going to look at you like you're crazy. Talk, you know, and if you did really well at Dangerfield, you kind of knew that your stuff was going to work on the road. But the greatest thing was watching all these New York comics go up and just get nothing because the audience is like, we don't know what a subway is. It was freaking yeah. hilarious. I love that. All right. So wait, just to go back to this, John, you'll get a kick out of this. Martling sent me this yesterday. And it's from, I don't know what year it's from. It's called The Comedy Hilton. It's about the condo. Uh, Life at the Comedy Hilton is no joke, except for the aspiring young comedians who live there. The front yard of the mustard-colored Fort Lauderdale duplex is overgrown with weeds, and it looks isolated and abandoned in a quite opulent neighborhood. Um, the street in front of it and sewer has been temporarily, ter temporarily turned into street into a plum concrete jungle and the tap water <laughs> is brown sludge. The furnishings are sparse and what there is, is are all threadbare. The maid comes in twice a week to clean up, but it never succeeds. The phone has been rigged to accept only incoming calls. <laughs> the air conditioner has got a plastic box over it that the comics change the temperature with a knife. Remember that? <laughs> you know what? I was lucky because I started there. I never stayed in the condo. I lived down there. Oh. This place easily qualifies for better homes and tenements. <laughs> tenements. <laughs> nice. And it goes uh, on and on about how bad it is. Give my best to Martling next time to talk to. I haven't seen him next week. Next He's going to be on the show, year. I think, next week. Yeah. I always like Jackie. Well, you guys, I'm sure, like, uh, and see, I didn't, I didn't get much of this, but I'm sure you guys have been in it longer than. Th so you probably, how many times do you get paid in drugs instead of money, or they oh tried to pay you in drugs instead of money? Oh, well, there was yeah. a gig in Tampa, and the guy John Cochran that ran it, yeah. uh, he tried to pay me in coke one day. Yeah, yeah. I said, hey, dude, Florida was big for that. Florida was big for that. Yeah, yeah. I was at New Moon, New Moon Grill in Ormond Beach, Florida. He tried to pay me in coke for a week's work. You know, I told the guy once, I go, I can't pay my mortgage with Coke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you, you know, he you told can, me if you cut it up, you can sell it. You can get like, the guy told me, well, you can sell it. And I go, well, yeah. what? A, I, I came to do magic. Yeah. Do so day. I'm a drug dealer now. Yeah, I'm a drug yeah. Dealer. yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Someone else, I did a gig once and it was a, didn't last very long. It was in Miami Beach. And this woman that ran at Joyce Emmons, she tried to pay me in Coke one time, too. Wow. Yeah, give me okay. a fucking break, will you, please? Well, one time I was doing a gig in Utica, New York. Utica, Utica. It was me. Um, Chris Blitman was emceeing. Do you remember Chris Blitman? I don't. Do you no. guys remember Steve Freelander? Yeah. Yes. Okay. He was a Super nice guy. Unbelievably weird. Couldn't find funny with the Hubble telescope. <laughs> Right, <laughs> but so we we go on. Wait, you talking about Steve? Are you talking about Steve? Yes, Steve Freelander. Yeah, he was actually like a performance artist before there were performance artists. Yes, exactly. So he would do this thing. Well, anyway, Blitman goes up and opens the show. He and then he brings up Freeland, Freelander, and I mean he's bombing so bad. You know, he's doing his. 
vinyl seat player. He's doing that, and the audience, they're starting to rumble. I thought they were going to. So the owner walks over to me. I was closing the show. He walks over to me, and he says, I'm not paying this fucking guy. I said, why not? He goes, he sucks. I said, so what? He's still doing his time. He drove all the way up here. He goes, I, don't, I ain't going to pay him. I said, if you don't pay him, I'm not going on. Goes, oh, well, you're going to get paid. I said, all right. So I go like this. I walk over to Blitman. I tell him what he said. It gets better, John. I see you yawning. No, I'm sorry. The story gets a lot better. <laughs> uh, so I go over, I tell Blitman what he said. And he goes, that fucking guy. I said, do me a favor. While I'm on stage, get our money from him. And when you have the money, stand in the back of the room and give me the thumbs up that you have the money. Right. He goes, okay, okay. I go on stage and it's going well. And I'm supposed to do 40. I'm on about, I would say barely 20 minutes, maybe less. And I see Blitman in the back of the room with the money going like this. As soon as I see, I was in the middle of a bit. And I went, thanks a lot. Good night. I walked off. And I said, let's get in the car and get the fuck out of here. Fuck that guy. Oh, shit. Yeah. The guy came running out after us. We had the money. I went, fuck you. That's wow. what you get for trying to chintz Steve. There you go. You know? Good. Good for you sticking up for him. Yeah. I felt bad for the guy. You know what I mean? He, he was a harmless, nice guy that I wanted to you tell know, him. Stop, do you know stop that doing stand-up. You know? you know that he was in the singing group that did... Um... The lion sleeps tonight. Who? Freelander? What? Freelander. No. You're kidding me. Yeah. I know. I swear to God. Yeah, what? I talked to him one the night. Jungle, and he the I mighty jungle. Yeah, I think he was the guy that did the, the Weebo Wop. Yeah, he was the he was the we he was one of the Weebo Wop guys. He was the Never, never the one thing he did was there was a man from another land. He was the king, the king of far. He was the fucking 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 <laughs> John, I have to ask you, man. Are you still a Met fan? Oh, always, always. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know if, if, if. Well, I hope you guys remember this, but you have the single funniest, or you had, maybe you still have, single funniest sports joke I've ever heard, and I, I think of it all the time. I'm and here. that's when we worked in Hartford. You did this, uh, and uh, and I, I, I loved it. I watched it every time you did it. He did this thing about Phil Rizzuto being oh, yeah. upset that he couldn't be in the Hall of Fame. And you did this whole dream about him running in slow motion toward the Hall of Fame in the mud. And there's Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig all waving him in. And right before he gets there, slam! I I, I thought that was the funniest sports joke ever. I, I just that was loved so funny. it. I haven't done that in so long. You can do it again. That's why I'm bringing it up. Nobody just make, knows now. No, make it Pete Rose. But you know what? Oh yeah, Pete Rose because yeah. Udo got in. You know yeah, he did, Udo and that in. ended the joke for you, right? Yeah, I, I mostly do jokes about the Jets now. You know, oh, that's easy. That's do any sports at all. I, Be I careful. Mean, that's John's favorite. That's a John's team. My well, team. I've been a Jet fan since I'm 11 years old. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. The I last time people. they won a big game, I had to do homework after. <laughs> <laughs> I, See, I don't watch people, i don't watch any sports i can't take the heart the heartbreak i always tell people too the worst part about being a jet fan was i've been following them much older than you guys the only year i didn't follow them was 1969 because i was too busy being a hippie <laughs> john john started following football when after the game the fucking emperor would be out there with his thumb and he put his thumb up or thumb down to see if they lived or died <laughs> the jets I are the most frustrating it, franchise in history they i are. call it the curse of joe namath really? oh. joe namath he's one of my favorite human beings but it's like the jets sold their soul to win that super bowl and they haven't done shit since i used yeah. to do a couple of other bits about the jets like well when they had, uh, I forgot which quarterback they had. Maybe it was O'Brien or somebody. I would go, he takes a snap. He drops back. He's looking for a place to panic. <laughs> Browning Nagel, maybe? Yeah, Browning Nagel. <laughs> well, who do you like in the game this week? I mean, shit, we got the Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, that's right. Super Bowl's coming up a couple of days. Hey, look, I would never bet against Mahomes until he proves it. You know what I mean? I yeah. bet uh, I had... 
Detroit, uh, a parlay of Detroit plus seven. And when I saw Kansas City was getting four and a half points, I said, give me that fucking bet, you know? Of course, <laughs> yeah. How do you bet against Mahomes? You, you can't. Know? You can't. Yeah. I mean, I know he lost the Super Bowl, but uh, I think San Francisco overall well, they, is the best. Well, he's been in the league four years. He's been to the Super Bowl four times. Well, right? San Francisco didn't install any faith in me when when I watched that game. I mean, they came back and whatever, but that first half of that the game, they were just terrible. Well, I, I think Detroit, and I wanted Detroit to win. Me too, me too. The Super Bowl. Come on, the fans deserve it. The city deserves it. But I got to tell you, that coach shit the bed. Hmm. Oh, you think coach so? Well, you mean some really dumb decisions that I think gave the momentum to the Niners. I, I, yeah, I think he took the foot. He, I think he took his foot off the gas and was too conservative. Is yeah. I, that's what I think he did. Well, my point is watching the game. You had a. Uh, it was what twenty four seven at halftime. So then the the second half starts, and the Niners have the ball. They do a methodical drive, but they stall and they kick a field goal. Yeah. Now Detroit gets the ball. They have a methodical drive and stall. If you kick the field goal there, it's like boxing where you jab yeah. people. You know, a guy jabs me, I jab him back. You know, but when you went for and didn't get it, I I actually texted Ray, name dropper. <laughs> and i said watch what happens now and sure enough sure yeah. enough they blew it yeah that was jet like it's a tough it's a tough call man i mean san francisco is a strong team and they weren't they the number one seed in the nfc yeah, yeah. they're the number one and and, and uh, casey has been inconsistent you're right you can't bet against mahomes about you do yeah, but it's all it's all fixed so taylor swift can endorse Biden? Yeah, that's that's ah. what I heard. <laughs> How crazy is that? Speak, speaking know, of Pete Rose, no. The, the uh, stupidity of uh, one time I met Pete Rose and I said to him, "Hey man, who was harder to hit for you, Seaver or Kuzman?" Really? Yeah, and he said Kuzman. Really? And I, I said to him, "I knew you were going to say Kuzman because Rose was a better left-hand hitter exactly. than a right-hand hitter." So even though Seaver was great. Kuz and Kuz, boy, he was tough, man. He was. Well, he also. Here's the thing: he's a better left-hand hitter because there's a majority of right-hand pitchers yes. in the league, so you bat left-handed a lot more. Yeah, exactly. Jeez, I, rem- I only remember these. The I only remember these guys because my brother used to take me to the game when I was a kid. And we'd wait outside, and there was only four people in Shea Stadium, so we'd wait out for the players, and you get Grand to meet tomb. them. You'd get to meet them, get their autograph. I met Jerry Kuzman, Seaver, Rusty Staub. I met all what these guys. They were. Yeah. I remember meeting Joe Klecko after a Jet game. Yeah. Good guy. Talking about a nice guy, man. Just so when down there. When I was uh, I was on a cruise ship, and Nick Lowry was – we had him on the show. Nick Lowry was um, the year that he was going to the Jets. Oh, Nick was And great. I called him up on stage. I was busting his balls. So we became friends, and when he was, you know, on the Jets – he, like he'd call me every week and go, Hey, I got some great seats for you. You want to come, you know? And I was like, yeah. So he invited me to the practice with my son, who at the time was about four years old and it was at Hofstra back then. So we go to the game and we go to the practice and it is so hot. It's like August they're in full thing. And he keeps running up, giving my kid glasses of Gatorade, you know, which my son saved the cups for like years. <laughs> and at the end of the game, he says to my son, man, why don't you come down on the field, throw the ball around a little bit with us? He's like four wow. years old. Damn. Jumbo Elliott. This is my son remembers this to this day. Jumbo Elliott walks and puts his hand, one thumb under one armpit and the rest of his hand under the other one and lifts him up and balances him on his bicep. Goes, How you doing, little man? Oh, my God. My son goes, my wow. son goes it was like a giant. It was like a giant. You don't realize how big they are until you're down yeah. there on the field. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one time I went down, I couldn't believe how big some of those guys were, man. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. No, I I, I used to, I was a sportscaster and I used to have to go into the locker room and all that. And talk, I, I, I never felt more out of shape and more small and insignificant yeah. in my life. And I'm not talking about what you think I'm talking about. Every, every yeah, that time, too. Every time I would see those football players, I would always think to myself, yeah, this is why I never played after high school. 
Exactly. Oh yeah. <laughs> I forgot what was the guy's name. I remember when I was a little kid. We met uh, this again outside Shea Stadium. They called him the Stork. Uh, he was, oh, uh, George Theodore. George yeah, Theodore. George. And I just remember looking straight up and going, "Gee, I, you know, he's the tallest guy I'd ever seen." I mean, I was a little kid, but it was like, "Wow." He had to be like six five. Yeah, he, hey. he was tall and lanky. Mike, would you live in a tent outside Shea or something? <laughs> No, we we used like, to take his brother. Guy. His brother lost the Mary State for about two years. I was no, my the parking lot one day, and Tom Stevenson. No, we used, <laughs> we used, well, no, well, we used to actually. I mean, it was just a seven train, you know. We used to. I lived in Queens, right there near the train. We used to just take Queensborough Plaza, take the seven train right to Shea Stadium, and walk there. We would go there. We used to go. There were permanent puddles. I don't know if you remember the permanent puddles in the parking lots. So we would take our ice skates in the winter time, and we would ice skate in the the you know play hockey and stuff. Oh, that's and, nice. Yeah. Well, I, when I first moved back to New York in 1985, I lived with Lou DiMaggio. You guys know Lou, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Right. We lived in Whitestone, Queens. I mean, you could see when there was a night game at Shea, you could see the sky was lit up. It was literally a five minute drive. It was the classic thing. One yeah. night I was home and Bob Murphy goes, it's a beautiful night here at Shea, so come on out. I said, yeah, fuck it. I got in my car and I went. You know? <laughs> That's it. We so yeah. close. It was Whitestone, the gateway to College Point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do, you remember, do, you remember, do you remember that joke Ray used to do in his act about his dad being lost? To me, it was one of the funniest jokes. He goes, Ray, don't tell me how to get to Yankee Stadium. I've been coming to Yankee Stadium before you were born. Your mother and I came to Yankee Stadium. My dad, pull over. I don't have to pull over. I know how to get to Yankee Stadium. And this Amish guy would just move his cart. We'd be there in a couple of minutes. <laughs> Ray is great. I'll give him that, man. He is a great comic. Oh, I, I had so much fun. Guy, I hadn't dude. I hadn't seen him or you in so many years. And then just and plus and then afterwards to hang out, uh, uh, you know, and that was so much fun. Brad Garrett was kicking ass. I mean, he came. He was he was funny in the dressing on the stage and in the dressing room, too. So, and that was another. He's one of the funniest guys I've ever met. But I told him that night, you know, because it was just me and then Ray. There was no spade. So. I Ray said, "Why don't you come out and do the Q and A with me?" Which I've done with him before. Right. Um, so I'm backstage. Ray's finishing up or something. And Brad comes in, you know, because he's going to surprise Ray and go on. And I say to Brad, "I go, Brad, do me a favor, please." I go, "Give me one minute out there with Ray." I said, "Because once you come out, uh, yeah. that's it. you know, he dominates, and I'm just the opener." So now he goes, "Yeah, Johnny, no problem," you know. So Ray go, you know, goes back out. He says, come on, my opener, John Manfalotti. You know, and I come walking out, nice hand. I go, Ray Romano. And they give a nice hand. And then I start to do a joke. And I hear a deafening roar. Yeah. Around Brad's out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I was like, I just slunked off, right? You were there, Mike. Yeah, you yeah, you did. You kind of disappeared. Off into the wings, you know? <laughs> Because you can't get a Ray can't even get a word in edgewise when Brad's out there. No, and even Brad in the was, dressing room, you Brad, you can't get a word in. With me. He was no. just on. He was on. He was the Brad. first comic to ever win Star Search. Right. That's he right. was. Yeah. Oh yeah, he won the first one. I thought it was John Kazir, but I guess it's no. It was Tom, right? It was Brad. Brad won the first wow. one. Yeah. He has a new oh. sitcom, right? Well, I he saw just a trailer for. A list. He's on. He's he's on. That, he's coming on to that show. I think Dead to Me. It's called. Yeah, oh, yeah. They, that's a that's a fun show. That really is a good show. Um, I just, haven't seen just, it yet, just, but I did hear that he was on, you know. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Well, how was it when you did somewhere in Queens? I mean, you worked with Tony Lobianco. Yeah, I that mean, now, that yeah. Tell tell us about that, and also uh, who's uh, I always get his name wrong. Maniscalco. Maniscalco. Thank you. How yeah. was that? It was good. He was a really nice guy. We hit it off. You know, royal Italian guys. Italian guys are either all going to get along or kill each other, one or the yeah. other. No, we we got along. Maniscalco is really funny. I think. Yeah. yeah, he's he's solid, man. I mean, very, if you're selling out Madison Square Garden, you're doing something right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I, I have a friend. Bianco, 
he was a trip. Yeah. First of all, he's 84 years old. He doesn't he, look that he old. He looks 65. Yeah. yeah. But he was like, uh, if you say, uh, like one day we were waiting for him to set up. And I said to him, hey, man, I remember many years ago seeing a movie called The Honeymoon Killers that you were in. Remember that movie, The Honeymoon Killers? It was, came out like late 60s or something. They would, him and his wife would, they were murderers or something. It's a crazy movie. I, I was still watching the Muppets at that time. <laughs> well, he went on and on, you know, <laughs> 40 minutes later. Well, I got to be honest with you, you know, I directed that movie. The fucking director didn't know fucking shit. <laughs> and then you ask him about another movie. Well, let me tell you about that. I got to, you know, everything you asked, he was like, well, I did this and I did that. <laughs> but uh, he, he was so super. So we're standing outside in one of the outdoor scenes and they're setting up the cameras or whatever. So I'm standing by this bush and Tony Lobianco comes over and he goes, hey, man, have I given you my business card yet? I go, no, no, I'd love to have your business card. So he takes out his business card and he hands it to me. And I go, hey, that's great. And I stick it in the bush and walk away, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he looks at me for a second. Then he busts out laughing. He goes, ah, oh, you had me there for a second. But it was really it was really a joy to work with. And just doing that whole movie was just fucking great. You have and anything? Any, any, any Queens? Because yeah. Ray could shoot his movie about Queens. On queen soil, you know, yeah. it was phenomenal. I love, I love the movie. I love, and I love the acting. I love the whole the story, you know. Really I, and I yelled at, I yelled at Ray when he was on. I didn't yell at him, but I told him, I said, "It's like I, I think I cried like four times during that fucking movie." You know, it was just a, brought out a lot of emotional. And I don't know if it's because I'm from Queens and have those similar, or just, but it was just, it was a real good, high quality movie. movie. It was a real surprise movie. And you yes, were phenomenal. Exactly. You yeah. were phenomenal. Your character was phenomenal. And you and you played, I mean, like you you really got some really great acting chops, man. Yeah. Thank you, man. Hey, I was gonna ask you, how long did it take to film that fight scene? Oh, that was a trip. You know, it was absolutely freezing cold that night. It was really cold. The those were stuntmen. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's how great it was. What happened is we stopped the scene. And we start grappling, right? And then the director, well, no, that was the, the assistant director because Ray was directing. So me and Ray, we start grappling. They would yell, freeze. Right. We would freeze right in the position we were in. And the stuntmen would come in and take the exact same position. You know, we would get out. They'd yell, action. They would <laughs> do their thing, go flying over the plant. And when the the one guy that was supposed to be Ray was on the ground, he pulls the other guy's jacket over his head, which was right. supposed to be me. That's when we took those positions. Right. Yeah. They, and, you, know, you know, they only did that for Ray because if it was just you and somebody else, they would have been, ah, fuck him, I'm doing himself. But <laughs> It's like freeze tag and improv. That's what it sounds like. Freeze. You'd be surprised. They wouldn't let it. They wouldn't let us do it. Oh, yeah, the insurance, yeah. right? No, because yeah. we said, well, let us try. No way. You watch the movie. There was only two takes of those stuntmen. The first take, the guy that was playing me goes over the other guy and hits face first on the sidewalk. Ooh. And we're all watching on the monitors. Then when they yell cut, we go, fuck. We run over to the guy. You know, hey, are you okay? And he stands up and goes, I'm a stuntman. You know? yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Check the ground. Make second... sure the ground's not hurt. You yeah, know they did a second take, right? And as the guy went over, he was in the same position. But right at the last second, he turned his head so he didn't go face mm, first. Right. But he turned it towards the camera. Oh. So they couldn't use that right. take. Right. But well, you can't tell, so you guys couldn't tell, right? No, 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 no. no, no. I would have never. I would have never thought that. I would. I would. You know that you never would know. I mean, I, mean, I know. I know how it's done, but it looked. It looked like you guys actually worked it out. That's what it yeah, was. Yeah, they certainly spend a lot more time with Ray than we do. But boy. He didn't seem like any different than when we sang out 20 years ago. Neither is John. Same guy. Yeah, same guy. With, with a couple of more bucks. Yeah, that's well, it. Yeah. You, know you, I mean? you, John, you're the same guy. Oh, thanks, man. I'm a little yeah. grayer. Well, well, the, 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 that's all John, of us. When we were in Hartford, we were watching, when the Met game was on. So we, we John came to my room. We were watching the Met game. And I, I was kind of... 
I don't know how to word this. I had done my business in the men's in the, in the restroom and forgotten to flush. I remember that. No, Jeez. you do not. Oh, do you? You're oh. damn right. He and walks in the bathroom. I go, I'm thinking, oh, shit, did I flush? And he comes out. And I go, John, I'm sorry. I forgot to flush. And you went, fucking gross, man. Yeah, but I remember <laughs> I came out and I said, hey, man, I don't. I don't mind you using the bathroom, but would you mind flushing it down the toilet? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no fucking kidding. Jesus hey, Christ. He remembers it. I do uh, remember. Craig, well, thank, thank you once again, Craig, for bringing course, the level of the show up a little yeah. more. Of course yeah. he remembers it. He I feel like saying, course. hey, man, can you can you write your act in your own room? <laughs> <laughs> it must been, he must have felt like Fred Flintstone uses bathroom. <laughs> Wow, I didn't remember it till now because I didn't. Yeah, now he's got to go back to dude. I've been so I've been embarrassed about that for thirty years. Seriously, well, didn't you do like a robot? Uh, yes, yes. Oh fuck! Now I remember. <laughs> yes. Was that a John Shula gig? Yep. It was. It was Harford. It was. Uh, yeah. It was back then. It was Brown Thompson. Now it's City Steam. It's a microbrewery, it's, and the comedy club is called the Brouhaha, which is still the uh, worst thing ever. Yeah. Don't tell me he's still. Look, what about in the John? John John Schuler, this the way he used to give directions. He used to go like, okay, Craig, uh, you're gonna work Brown Thompson. Hold on a second. And you come back on, you're working with uh John Manfalati, you're gonna have to pick him up at the improv to bring him up. Yeah, okay. Then you hope okay, here are the directions. And he would give me the directions, and they would be like, you know, not the way I would go. Like he doesn't mention the Merritt Parkway, anything like that. And you just you usually found your own way. But John was great. I, he booked me, so I, of course he was great. He did impressions, John. if I remember right. He did what? Impressions, right? John Schuler. He, he had an act. I never saw him perform. Yeah, he did impressions. As a matter of fact, he looked a little like Steve Martin at the time. So I really, he yeah, yeah, he would do a Steve Martin impression. But yeah, that was his thing: booking Connecticut gigs. Yeah. When yeah, I first moved to New York, those gigs saved my ass. Yeah. Four gigs and a couple of the, uh, the one nighters in Jersey. You yeah. I, I remember that. You get a couple one nighters. You book if you're lucky, you get a weekend somewhere. Look, but then those one nighters, man, in Jersey, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, you know, all over. Well, yeah. Rask, remember Rascals? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. That was probably the best of those gigs in Jersey. Yeah, there was the one in uh, West Orange and then the one in Ocean. Uh, that were both. I only uh, the West you know, Orange they, one. You know they, you know the story of that place, right? They sold it, and within one year, it was out of business. Wow. Which yeah, one? The West probably, Orange one or the yeah, West Orange? This is yeah. how long ago I was. The last time I worked there was with John Fox. Oh my gosh! Wow. <laughs> I had I had to work for Camacho for like five years before he booked me in West Orange. Wow. I worked there a couple of times. One time was me, Joe Bolster, and Sinbad. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's and a I nice lineup. Me and Joe watching Sinbad, and he was killing. But he had, we would look at each other and go, he has no punchlines. No yeah. punchlines. Like he would but, do a bit like, well, went back to Detroit for Christmas, and, uh, you know, it was freezing cold, and was sitting in the house. Somebody opened the front door and I would yell, shut that motherfucking door. Yeah. And the crowd would go crazy. You know? And yeah. they would go, is there a punchline? Yeah. That's what I remember. Magnus, I remember being there. I remember being there and the same thing. I was fake. Was, was it Mark Magnuson was one of them. And he, it was, I forget who I was there with, but he dragged us out. He goes, you got to see this comic. This guy's going to be huge. He's going to be the biggest thing. And it was, uh, it was Louis Black. I'd never oh, heard yeah. of him before. And I went on, I watched him and I went, you fuck, you're right. This guy's he's amazing. Yeah. It's like yeah. unbelievable. You know, you think know, about Sinbad. I was doing this call it. We used to do these NACA conventions. Where, oh, I so I got the East Coast. I was all happy. And uh, Sinbad was there. And it was at some place upstate New York. So he was emceeing this thing. And you only get like, I think 20 minutes or 18 minutes. And they're really like, at the 18 minute mark, man, if you're not off, they just shut the lights and the microphone, you know, and then, you know, no one wants to book you. So I'm going on and Sinbad's emceeing. And in the middle of the thing, they lose all power, right? Lights out and they put in like those emergency lights come on. And he does 45 minutes with no microphone. Unbelievable. Right. Because and they wanted him to because people were restless, you know. Yeah, I would have left. And then I came on. I swear to God, and I just said I killed. 
and I got no dates because everyone came up to me and they went, oh, yeah, you killed, man. But, you know, we booked Sinbad. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we saw Sinbad's whole act, you know. Uh, and well, wait, uh, well, why wouldn't they book you? They will only book they one. Yeah, they book one comic. You know, we, uh, we have budget for one comic. Geez. But he got like 148 dates. Wow. One convention. Whatever happened to him? Uh, he he I got he he. I heard he got sick or had a stroke, and he's like recovering. Oh, no. I heard yeah. he was nominated for the worst dress comic in the world. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you don't want to hear bad things happen. No. no. So, no. John, I got to ask you a question. Do you do voiceovers? Uh, no. I, I. It's funny that you you asked that though, because did you ever voice a joke? Did I have a voice a joke? Well, because you know what, we we ran a joke in this show about about these chimpanzees. Uh, yeah, I tell you, so a penguin walks into a bar, and when you do that voice, you sound exactly like him. I'm like, that would be the weirdest thing if you did that voice. But well, okay, penguins love ice cream. Yeah, penguin. It sounds like that sounds like John's. Or maybe that was him. It's funny that you say that because when I was doing somewhere in Queens, four times in I was there five weeks. Four times, four different people came up over that period and said to me, you should do voiceovers. You yeah. have an interesting voice. But yet when I hear my own voice, I fucking cringe. Yeah. Me too. I'm the I same way. I cringe. What are they fucking talking about? With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So what you do you got? You got cartoons for sure. You got, you got anything coming up? You got any, anything interesting happening or anything going on? Or Well, I mean, not something concrete you know i'm auditioning and things like yeah. that i'm hoping the fucking movie you know yeah i'm gonna i gotta get off my lazy ass and start doing that yeah you know not, not no bites yet but we'll see you know it's a tough business you gotta hang out you gotta hang in i'm changing the way i'm looking at it i'm just gonna start walking into auditions and just go fucking thanks for the part <laughs> <laughs> you know what that might work is that there a problem? So let me know if there's a problem because I can find out where you live. Thanks for the part. That's what Danny DeVito did for Taxi, pretty much. <laughs> well, here's why it's interesting that you say that because um, what I learned is the more you take charge of your own audition, the better yeah. off you're going to be. How yeah. many times do we walk out of an audition and go, fuck, why, did I, why didn't I say yeah. what I wanted yeah. to say? Exactly. Uh, um, Matt Weiner, who ran uh, Mad Men, saw me on Men of a Certain Age and had me come in and audition. At first, when I went in to audition with him, I didn't—I had never seen what he looked like. For a second, I didn't know it was him, you know? So we start auditioning and I do the scene. He goes, that was good. And he goes, this time I want you to try it this way. And he gives me a note and I do it. And then, I, ah, excellent, excellent. He goes, this time I want you to... So we did it like five times and he gave me a different note each time. So uh, then he go, and this audition, I never had an audition like this before. I was in the room like 35 minutes. I mean, wow. it was incredible. So we're going to do it again. He says, I like what you do. And he goes, this time, and I never did this in an audition before. I said, all right, hold on, hold on. I actually caught him off. I thought, oh, I'm getting fired now. I said, hold on a second. I need a minute. And he looks at me, he goes, okay. And I stood up, I walked to the back of the room, Turn my back to him. And it's not like I was doing some big acting thing. Right, right. He had given me so many different notes that I needed to clear, you know, wipe yeah. the clean. clean the palette. Yeah, you sure. I turned my back and I took a deep breath, closed my eyes, took all my thoughts out of my head, turned around and said, all right, let's go, you know? And we did more. And in the drive home, I got the call that I got it. That uh -huh. never happened before, you know? But my whole point was, Take charge in the audition. Yeah. Take charge. You know what I mean? yeah. The classic story. The classic story of that is Max Alexander, for the people listening at home, who probably weighed 400 pounds, was auditioning. Is there an earthquake somewhere? That's <laughs> a helicopter. helicopter. Oh. It's a helicopter. And uh, 
he was auditioning for Roxanne with Steve Martin. So anyway, he gets done and and they go, wow, we love you. But the problem is that, you know, you're supposed to be a fireman and, you know, you don't really look like you'd be a fireman. And Max sucks in his cheeks and goes, I can play thin. <laughs> yeah. See, and I think start, that I've got... they all start wait. They all start laughing, and he leaves. And they show up the first day of shooting, and Steve Martin goes, "Where's the fat guy?" Was and he in the go, room? He what? was in the room. No, he was left. He no, he left. He didn't get anything. He didn't get the part. No, he, 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 yeah. I so guess the first why, day did they, why did Steve Martin say, "Where's the fat guy"? Was he been he in the first room. day of shooting. The first oh. day of shooting. No, but Steve Martin must have seen him on tape, or was right. he yeah, in the Steve audition? Was there. Steve oh, Martin Steve Martin was, was at the audition. Okay. Yeah, see, he did it with Steve Martin. Now, when I lived in New York, I had an audition for a Nickelodeon show. And I show up and I walk in the room. There's like five people sitting on a couch. And they go, you know, Nickelodeon children's stuff. So they go, okay, here's what we're going to do. There's no sides. You go, we're going to give you an animal and a situation. And I'm saying, oh, God. So they, they gave me, uh, you're a giraffe and you this, there's no leaves on the tree. It was, it was something fucking ridiculous, right? <laughs> so I do, I don't even remember what I did. Some fucking giraffe thing, you know. Some gi- I, okay, you did your standard you. hack giraffe stuff, I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then I go, uh, I go, all right. They go, okay, thank you. So I, I walk out, I close the door behind me, wait a beat, and then knock. And they go, yes. I open up the door. I stick my head in and I go, did I leave my dignity in here? (laughs) (laughs) See, but I, I, I miss, because a lot of times now what they're doing is they're auditioning on, on uh, zoom or something like that. And it sucks because I think I, I won most of my roles in the room because I would make them laugh the same, like you're talking about. I would, I, I remember one time they, they asked me for some part was for a movie they said, well, you know, would you be willing to shave? And I said, I'll shave my back. I'll shave my legs. I'll shave whatever, you know. Really? Whatever. But, you know, just to make them laugh in the moment. And I think I That's scored cool. a lot of the parts that I did that way. And now it's so impersonal on Zoom. Well, the one thing I like about uh, not so not so much the Zoom, the one where you put yourself on tape and send that. Yeah. I like because you can send your best take. Best take. That's true. You know what I, mean? I, I booked a couple of roles that way. Yeah, you send your best shit, you know what I mean? As opposed to like fucking up a line and then, oh, fuck, what did I, can I start over or whatever? Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, I, I actually like that. Yeah, the Zoom thing's a little weird. Yeah. Like listening on a Zoom. But, but you're right. Self tapes, the taping stuff isn't, but you're right, because you can put your best foot forward. You can do a lot of stuff. Exactly. And, you know. And then a lot of times you get called in for the callback in person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's so it, tape, it's I, I don't really mind that. You know what I mean? I don't well, mind. A friend of the show, my friend uh, Dan Roebuck, who's on the show, used to run. He's, I mean, he's done hundreds of stuff, uh, things. He, he, he used to run this uh, little seminar on auditioning, and he said, "Listen, don't treat it like an audition. This is a performance. It's your time to shine. It's all you. Exactly. Bring it, bring it. Because you, you know, don't be timid. You know, that's, hey, this is your, this is your time. Use. That's it. exactly what I do in every police lineup I'm in. My time <laughs> to shine." <laughs> well, we could go on all day, but we're we're pretty much pushing pushing. Wow, that, that, went, that went fast. Yeah, well, really fast. I want to hear more, John. It I was have, so cool hanging out with you, brother. I haven't faked a good time like this in a long time. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Since that last time funny. I got laid. That's how I used to. <laughs> That's how I used to start the show. I hope you're having a good time as I'm pretending to be. I haven't faked laugh like this in a long time. I really enjoyed this. You guys are fucking great, man. Oh, you, you too, man. Fun, man. Awesome hey, catching anytime up. Anytime you want to come back. Well, what happened to Tommy Chung today? That he, goes in afterwards. He, you put he was it in there. You didn't, you, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't, we, yeah, he's there. No, you didn't play it, but you'll have no, to put it in. He'll, he'll be there. We start you know, the show with Tommy. It with... Our guests, it, it's good for our guests when you see that people of craziness support us. Yes. Okay. Tommy Chong does our intro. Tommy John, Chong, John's taking all the magic out of, out of the post. Tommy Chong is... Uh, hey, man. Well, now Tommy you have to wonder, is it Tommy or me? He cracks us <laughs> up that Tommy Chong wants to come on our show. Yeah. That's he's, he's, been on three, he's been on three times. Three times. Wow. That's yeah. Last time he was on, John... He smoked so much weed 
that I cut a section of it out and put it on social media and it got banned. Oh, for- God. <laughs> Let me ask you something. Are you, are you, are you guys in separate locations? Yeah. John, yeah. You're back yeah. East? You're back yeah. I'm in, I'm in Florida. You're out here? I'm out here. I'm I'm actually up in uh, the high desert, oh, and okay. I'm in Van Nuys. You're in Van Nuys. Okay. But uh, but I'm gonna call you definitely because I'm gonna come down, man. We're gonna we're gonna go and hang out, and do some yeah, coffee, we'll have do a something. Beer or we'll have a bite to eat or something. Absolutely, brother. All right, cool. fellas. Thanks for having me. I love this shit. No, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you. Uh, don't cut me out too bad. You won't be cut out at all. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We'll no. start the show and go that. Uh, okay. Well, well, John Manfredi was supposed to be here, but uh... he was fucking horrible. Well, Ray, we said hi. He I will. John, too. really good seeing you. After good all seeing you too, man. Hi, man. Thanks again, John. I'll talk to you right. soon, John. Thanks. All right. Be well. All right. Well, hey, everybody. Let's have a round of applause for John Manfredi. Yes. Thank you, John. That was a lot of fun. And the effervescent, effervescent Mike Grief. Effervescent. Effervescent. What is he, Alka-Seltzer? No, that's only that's only when I eat that fake sugar stuff, I get the effervescent. Yeah, he's Alka-Seltzer for the soul. That's who he is. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.